Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches, figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, how to get your work noticed, and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective, as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble. Windowsill Chats. I am so glad you are joining me in my windowsill today. Today, I am super pleased to be able to welcome to the windowsill Annabella Sardellis. Annabella's company is called Indigo and Snow, and she lives in South Minneapolis and Minnesota. And we were able to chat. I always record my podcasts on Zoom because then I can see the person that I'm talking to. But anyway, it's lovely. We had a lovely chat and she was wearing a really pretty green dress with a beautiful necklace she'd made and a very cool hat. So I digress. A little bit about Annabella. Annabella is the founder of Indigo and Snow, an atelier dedicated to zero waste in Minneapolis. She is a multidisciplinary artist and designer whose working mediums include calligraphy, natural dyes, and textiles. Her focus aesthetically is on the creation of functional items and seeing the beauty in utility. She launched Indigo and Snow in 2013 and specializes in hand-dyed and painted accessories, apparel, and decor. Annabella is also a surface design instructor and enjoys teaching natural indigo and snow dyeing workshops because there's plenty of that in Minnesota. She exhibits nationally, and her work has been featured by the New York Times, Elle, and Apartment Therapy, among others. Her goal is to make the world a more beautiful place. As you'll hear, Annabella has decided to stop the production of her product, but still will be teaching. However, if you hop on over to her website at indigoandsnow.com, there are still some beautiful, beautiful things available. So I encourage you before they're gone to go check that out. As the founder of Indigo and Snow, my background, she says, is in environmental studies and women's studies. That is the paradigm from which I make decisions. I don't identify as a fashion designer. I am more interested in personal style and how you choose to express yourself as an individual. And I just think that's so important. It really comes through in her beliefs and what we talk about. Indigo and Snow is a textile studio dedicated to sustainable design and rooted in intersectional environmentalism. And I hadn't heard that term before. And she has a great quote on her website that explains 
intersectional environmentalism. This is an inclusive version of environmentalism that advocates for both the protection of people and the planet. It identifies the ways in which injustices happening to marginalized communities and the earth are interconnected. It brings injustice done to the most vulnerable communities and the earth to the forefront and does not minimize or silence social inequality. Intersectional environmentalism advocates for justice for people and the planet. And that quote is by Leah Thomas. The other cool thing about Indigo and Snow and Annabella as a businesswoman is that she is committed to giving back to vulnerable communities that have been systematically marginalized. And each month they were able to donate 10% of the proceeds to an organization that they wish to support. She says she's profoundly grateful to her super supportive and very conscious community that feels aligned with her vision to give back. And I just love that. This is a really personal conversation that we have. It's a lot about what you do when your business is, when you've put your all into it and you need to make some, some real hard decisions. It's about allowing yourself permission to make those decisions. It's about celebrating your own path and your journey and just what that looks like. So I hope you get some good insights from this and maybe some inspiration and some motivation. And with no further ado, here is Annabella Sardellis. So Annabella, thank you so much for being here today. Is it a gray and rainy day in Minneapolis? No, it's actually totally glorious. Um, It's a beautiful autumnal day. Um, It's like low, the high is going to be low 70s. Oh, perfect. Uh, I went for a run first thing this morning. Um, That's why my hair is still wet. (laughs) But uh, yeah, and it's just like the leaves are just starting to turn. And it's so it's that wonderful contrast where the sky is a gorgeous blue that you kind of get this time of year. And then yeah. with the contrast of like the yellow, it's just, this is like my favorite time to run. So yeah. Oh yeah. And you have probably great places to run near you. Yeah. I'm not far from like, yeah, a lake and all the yeah. good stuff. Some of you might not know this, but I did live in Minneapolis for 12 years. So it's a good spot and I can picture it. And that sounds like a beautiful day. Annabella has a beautiful company. You're very creative. And I just, I love how it comes out for you. I think for everybody, you know, we all create in a different way. Somebody might make jewelry, somebody might paint, you create through color and textiles and dyeing and words. And, you know, how would you describe it? I would describe that I'm a multidisciplinary artist um, who specializes in textiles, natural dyes, and sumi calligraphy. If I were to distill it into a... (laughs) That's much more specific and it's much better. Yeah, it's great. The very first time I was aware of you, I went to a craft show in an old house. It was on, which lake was it? Formerly Lake Calhoun. At that point, it would have been called Lake Calhoun. It's now been renamed um, Bidet Makaska. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's now like a Lakota name after and not after a hook. That makes me so happy. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh gosh, I just got chills. That I had not, I was not aware. That's awesome. Yeah. But yes, yeah. it was. I'll have to learn how to say the new name, but it was a house there. And it was, I remember walking, it was by myself and it was winter and I, I was spring. So she used to have, she's Parisian. Yes. Um, and so she would have these soirees. Yes. And they it were like, it was a holiday bazaar and she would give them and she would number them. And there would be like sometimes a jazz quartet and the, anyway, yes. I mean, I know it was Tallinn's cause it's the only yes. like house. Well, it was glowing and there was music and there were, you know, it's that thing where you kind of look through the windows and think like, oh my gosh, what's, what am I going to find in here? And I was, and your work, your was one of the things. And I remember I bought my mom tea towel with the most gorgeous quote that she still 
She never, it's never out of it. She doesn't use it. It's always up in she her kitchen. She doesn't use it? She doesn't use it because she loves it so much. Oh it's, it's always like, it's hanging there. Like, yeah, it's always in her kitchen. It's always in her kitchen. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, you should get her another one that like that she can actually <laughs> use. Like a lot of people frame them, which is really painful to me because it's not easy to frame a tea towel, like, because they're a little wonky, you know, like, because they're not exactly a, a perfect rectangle, you know? So like. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. But the way, like your style of lettering and the way the words you choose were just you know it just meant a lot right then and it still does yeah that's the giving thanks um so yes. I was raised Greek Orthodox my husband was I guess you could say raised agnostically they didn't say a blessing before their meals and when our oldest was around two like right when we started really gathering around meals it was really important to me that we don't just like start eating that mm. we bless the meal and take time and our um, consciousness is very much rooted into um, like the earth and giving thanks for, you know, and like, that's kind of where it all starts with us. And so mm. just spontaneously, I said it before we began eating. And then we just started it as a ritual. And then I decided to put it like do, you know, so I practiced Sumi calligraphy, I made a Sumi piece of it. And then I kind of was like, Oh, and it was like a little bit kind of lead up into holiday, like, you know, maybe it was in October or early November. And there was just this little, I, I don't even know if you'd call it a voice, you know, it'd be like, I was like, maybe I'll put this on a tea towel. And I obviously did. And I remember the American Craft Council then decided to feature it in their magazine. They were like, can uh. we put this for a holiday issue? And then once that happened, kind of like, you know, um, it had a different level of reach. Um, and then I just kept, and it was really good though, because before I used to hand, cause I'm trained as a printmaker, I used to, um, I used to screen print them all myself, which was like insanely laborious. Ah. And I think it was like eight weeks before I knew the issue was going to go to print. <laughs> I was like, cause I was like, Oh my God, like I can't keep doing this myself. Cause it was just not, I'm not, I wasn't, I didn't have the setup for major production, you know? Right. And I actually was at this, I was part of this kind of uh, n- like women's business networking group. And one of them, it was, this is the funny thing of the way the universe works. One of them, and it was very specifically like a women's group, her boyfriend, came it was at a, we were at a bar and her boyfriend came and he was kind of sitting at the end of the table he wasn't part of the group but I remember kind of just giving him this not the stink eye but feeling the stink eye being like right. what is this like why is your boyfriend sitting at the table you know what I mean <laughs> and then towards the end we got in a conversation and he was like oh yeah I have this screen printing studio <sighs> and and all of a sudden like, the light bulb went off and I was like wait so if you can do t-shirts you can do tea towels right and he's mm. like yep and I'm like and you can heat set them and you've got the whole conveyor but you've got the whole thing and I said I said so if I gave you like the the graphic like at the end of this week and this is my wow. deadline of when something's going to go to print because I'm sure the orders are going to start flowing I'm like could you do you think you could add this to your you know uh, like you do yeah, have availability you're... to take on this project and he's like oh totally and then that was the first time this was back in like 20. 2014 maybe holiday 2014 I think yeah. or, I don't know it was a while 20 it was a while ago anyway and um and then and yeah and it was great because I had you know insane amount of orders you know pile in and there's no way I could have like pre-holiday printed all those so it was right. one of those funny things of like how the universe kind of sets you up. I swear it that universe is very giving you say thank you every time <laughs> I I just pulled it up it's so beautiful. And you can find it on the Indigo and Snow Instagram. And I'm sure it's on your website somewhere. Thank you for our family. Thank you for our food. Thank you for our health. Thank you for our home. Thank you for the great round earth. 
love that. And so at the much. end, we always say blessings on our meal, which is funny because I didn't say that in the actual like I I didn't put that a line on the tea towel, which is yeah. funny. But people around the world have like written me letters saying like verbatim, that's the blessing they say around their table. And so oh. people would like order the tea towel and they'd be like, you don't understand, like, this is what we say the same blessing. And it would like, and, and I used to just, I mean, when I even say it right now, it kind of gives me goosebumps because yeah. it's like, it's that profound thing of like the collective consciousness of like, yes. yeah. Well, and I just think, you know, it goes it goes so well into what I know we want to dig more into, but it's just giving thanks for what we have, realizing where we are with it, you know, realizing that it's the earth that feeds us and it's all very important. And I love that the way you've captured it. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thanks, Margo. We used to sing, um, I'm not going to sing it, but we used to sing. <laughs> <laughs> Our blessing was there's four of us, my sister, my mom and dad, and would sing the Johnny Appleseed song. Since we did it every night, we were sitting together since we were little. Yeah. The harmony was not to be matched. It was really <laughs> <laughs> so oh, every time we would, it would just be, it would just, like he said, it was just like, Hey, let's be thankful. And I have another friend, of course, many people probably do this, that with her kiddo, they just, every night they say, what are you, what are you grateful for today? Yeah. So anyway, tangent, but a good one. So your business, you've brought so many beautiful things into the world. I also have one of your beautiful paint splattered scarves that I wear a lot, but let's talk about this business and the eight and 10 years of it and how, what changes in life and family. And it's just, it's a beautiful business. And you've, as I said, put beautiful things out into the world, but how's it treating you? Well, I'm in this, there's been a lot of lessons this summer and it's not like how the business has been treating me, but I'll reframe it of like how I've treated myself running a business. There you go. And a lot of my friends, when they hear me talk about how I treat myself as a boss, it would be like, you treat yourself horribly. Like, you know, no boss would ever treat you like a a worker, (laughs) like you treat yourself. Oh man. Can anybody relate to that? So there's like the arc of how I ran my business for many years. And I've shared a little bit openly about it, but like some of the pieces that I'm wanting to share in a journal publicly And it's like the hustle culture. Like, I'm not alone in this. It's not like I invented the hustle culture, you know, but there was, but I know that my own personal story in it was like, my brother is a very successful um, sales executive working for um, a very well-known company and does very well and would work like 80 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And I, in the early years was like, okay. I'm going to try to work as much as he works so that at least nobody can say, maybe I'll, I'll, I don't, you know, maybe I'll never earn the level that he's earning, but at least no one can say I didn't work hard enough. Like at Mm. least I can't, um, it's not because I was being lazy or whatever. So I'm going to match like what a lot of people who are in the corporate arena, like the hours they have to put in. So for many years, I would work like you know, the minimal would be 55 hours a week up to 80 hours a week. And I'm raising like two young kids and my mom has dementia and I was the primary caretaker. She wasn't in our house. She was in assisted living, but still Mm. like she had a fall or she needed toothpaste or all the things, you know, or I would like make big Sunday suppers for her and have her host every Sunday. And I would cook all the, you know, like anyway, so for many years, I pushed myself to the brink of what one can do basically like, and, and I did it with the, like, 
the discipline of an athlete, basically. Like mm-hmm. I kind of, I've, I've run marathons and I, I know kind of like, kind of when you're, when you're training for something kind of like the level of rigor and discipline. And so for years in the summer, like I would get up at like four o'clock in the morning, I would start production at four 30 in the morning. I could put in 18 hour days. Sometimes if like I had to make a huge collection for a show, I would work like sometimes 18 hours. Like I would push so hard mm. and I, because I love it. Like I am deeply fed by my work. So when I'm in the flow zone, I'm aware that if I, and I don't work till two o'clock in the morning, I haven't worked it till two o'clock in the morning in years, but like, I'm aware that when you've been working for a certain amount of time and you finally hit two o'clock, you like, or like, you know, like you actually go into a different dimension and I'm I'm right there. I get it. It's pretty exciting. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I love that. You, 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 it's hard to kind of go in there if you're like, Oh, I'm just going to work for a couple hours, you know? So it's like, you know, it might sound punishing. Like when I talk about it to my dear friends, I use the t- intonation is punishing. Like I would work 80 hours a week, but let's be clear. Like I loved what I did. So it right. didn't, that's why all of us are like, as makers, we love it. So it's right. like, yes, we're workaholics, but it feeds us almost more than anything in our lives. Right. It's a very interesting dynamic catch 22, whatever you want to call it, because it is people close to me know that often I hit my stride in those late night hours or whenever it is, whenever I've been kind of going for a long time and then I can, I don't know, I get a different clarity or something, but so it is like, it's not the wrong thing to do until something else needs you or until, until it is, you know? Yeah. So I kind of pushed really hard all through the pandemic with like making masks and all of that. And then had in my team shrunk because due to the pandemic, like normally I always have an assistant. I mean, I have my seamstress, my head seamstress, who's been with me for 10 years, but I've always had an assistant like helping me through holiday with production and what Mm -hmm. have you. But because of the pandemic, I um, didn't for the first time, like didn't have an assistant like through the holidays. And it was okay on a certain level because I wasn't doing big shows. But the volume of like, I have, you know, I have an e-commerce site, I have a website, the volume of like shipping was banana cakes, you know, of course. And so that was, and I just really was just like, wow, I am burnt out. So I went into anyway, so I kind of went into 2021 being like, I, I think I'm ready to let go. Like if you were to look through all my journals, I keep a five year, do you know, have you ever seen a five-year journal where you have like the small little, you know what I'm talking about? I have. Yeah. When you kind of, it's the same day. So you can see what you did the year before. Yes. yes which I think are the best. Cause you could be like, Oh, you know, and, and so, and on any given day, then I could like reflect back, like, Oh, this was mm-hmm. my mindset on the same day or what I was doing. Or I, I feel like five-year journals are like the best gift you can. I tried to do that when my kiddo was young to see what he was doing the year before too. Uh, that was another oh, thing fine. I put in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you were to like look through my journals, you'd be like, wow, this person is in a really dysfunctional relationship. They need to get out. Like that was kind of like the arc of my journaling was just like, not necessarily like a love fest. It was just like, this yeah. is too much. Like the the burnout was all there. You know? What an interesting backhanded gift to give yourself to, to have that. So you're looking every year on that same day to see where you were work-wise is that is. Mm, I wouldn't always journal the work. I mean, like there was all other yeah. stuff too, of like, Oh, we went on this camping trip or, you know, like had friends over me, this amazing meal. So it wasn't necessarily like a work sure. journal, but I would definitely would, when I had big, when I was traveling to do big shows or I had big events or all of that, it was definitely documented because that was nice. the most central thing, you sure. know, and I can, I could literally see, you know, when people talk about the arc of the creative process of like the highs and the lows, it was all there for me. So I finally was like, you know what, I'm just going to take the leap. And I, a lot of 
many other designers I know um, publicly announced either during COVID or in 2021 that they were letting go. Um, like a Liz mm-hmm. Suzanne who had a huge, I'll call it an empire, you know, like they were, mm-hmm. they were brands or, or designers that it blew my mind when they yeah. closed shop, you know, and I'm not going to say all their names right now, right. but when they did, it was like this thing of like, wow, how could they give themselves? How did they allow themselves to give themselves permission? You know what I mean? Mm, like, I there's just, the question. I was like in awe. Like, I was like, wow, I, it takes such bravery because indigo and snow, like it is so who I am. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, I'm like, how could I split from that as my identity? Like, it's like my, one of my kids is like, being like, oh, I'm going to give up this. Absolutely. Honest. And that was, but see, that's the crux of it. But I started realizing that like my business got, got my best. Ah. Whereas my kids got the crumbs. Like I literally felt like, and most people would be like, and I know my friends would challenge that and be like, and my husband would be like, you're a great mom, like all of this, you know? And I know I'm a good mom. I have high standards across the bar in almost every arena of my life. You know, it's not just like my business. So when I say I'm not the mom that I wanted to be, it's not like there wasn't a whole lot of negligence. It's like, I'm like reading to my kids <laughs> no. every night. You know what I mean? Like I'm reading to my kids every night. You were night. fitting in all the things. I'm doing, I'm trying to do my best in all, all the things. So anyways, 2021, I was like, you know what? I had a conversation with another designer who had given herself permission to fold her business. That was on the, on the outside, very successful. And then that shortly, like a couple of days after I had sat down and had coffee with her, I announced, but here is the, how the universe plays out. So I made an announcement literally felt euphoric. I actually talked to you, you know, through the whole relish group shortly after that. And like, literally like all this energy was flowing through me. My heart chakra was like, I was like, Oh my God, this is the best to see. I literally was like the universe is like totally saying yes. Like you did it. You know? (laughs) Yes. And then the next day I got bit by a brown recluse spider, which was like a life-changing experience. Now, not everyone has their bite go necrotic and has the experience I had, but like, it was literally an ulcerous legion behind my left knee that was like oozing. It went into a secondary infection. I had two rounds of antibiotics. Oh my goodness. Three weeks to like kick the infection. And there was like, there was periods of time where I was literally, I could not get out of bed. I couldn't get off the couch. But the great irony is because I had announced, I had orders like you wouldn't believe flooding in from around the country. (laughs) So it was crazy because I was literally like lying in bed, couldn't work. And it was this intense thing of just receiving and just receiving. Mm. So, and just being like, wow. I'm not pushing. I am not pushing. All I'm trying to do is heal right now. And I'm having, and I get to receive and I'm not someone I'll be straight up. Margot receiving is not what I'm good at. Like I I might guess that. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, there again, the universe, like, okay, we're going to just put this right in front of you and you have to come to a screeching halt. Yeah. And so literally it turned everything on its head for me of like, I am someone who feels like in order to get results, or if you want this outcome or whatever, you give it your best. So it was intense because I was just like, holy cow. So I felt so supported. Like, you know, I had launched Indigo and Snow eight years ago and I was like reaping the harvest of like what I had built, you know? And so 
so that, and then I had decided to announce like, and I normally don't do this, but some of my best selling designs over the years, I decided to be like, okay, this is your last chance to get custom. And I had never put out a call. Like my local people all know I specialize in custom and that's 60 to 75% of my business is custom because I, as an independent designer, it's really hard to have like extra, extra small through extra, extra, extra large, like on the rack. So I have usually like one uh, prototype or one, like here's the sample. And then I basically specialize in custom so I can be really size inclusive, you know? And so I I don't really advertise that a lot on Instagram or it's not like really built out on my website, but it was the first time I really publicly announced like, okay, if you want last chance for custom and literally like it was insane. I've never received so many custom orders from around the country in my life. And so I was able to like, we had needed a new car for a while. I was able to buy a new car. Like literally the abundance flowing in was just like crazy. And my husband is kind of like looking at me like, I can't believe you're walking away from this. Like, uh-huh. he's like, look uh-huh. at how much support you have, you know, like people love you, <laughs> you know, kind of just like, how are you going to, uh, how? he was kind of just like, okay, you know, we'll right. see. But it's also showing support for the decisions you're making as well, you know, through, yeah. through, yes, they love the product you're putting out into the world. And that's the lot like, oh my gosh, I, I don't want to miss out on this. But at the yeah. same time, there's so much respect there, I think. Yeah. And because with each order also came like a little love letter too. like, I'm sad you're going, but like, at least I can have this piece or, you know, mm-hmm. I've always wanted one of your piece, like this is now is the time or whatever. And so what's tricky in this for me is, um, and then I, and when I announced, I was like, okay, well, I'm still going to teach because I yeah. love teaching. Teaching feeds me on a very deep level. Um, you know, and so there's, you know, there's kind of like the multi-factors of when you're like, well, how is your business treating you? And I'm like, well, it's more of like, you know, how am I, how am I treating myself? And it's, there's like kind of the different layers of it, of being like, I'm an extrovert, you know, like, and I, when you are an artist, it's a very solitary practice, you know, it's a, you, the creative process for many of us, I think is very, a solitary practice and that's fine. But after like eight to 10 years of working independently, I'm kind of like, I want to be part of a team and not have to manage the team. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, Or like be, mm -hmm. be responsible for one thing, have my area of expertise, but not have to be like, I'm in charge of everything. You know, like there's this, you know, we have this one beautiful life that we know of that we get to live. And I literally feel like there's this kind of like yin and yang in me right now. This is like, in terms of if like you were to go into the core of who I am on one level, you know, there's one part of me is like the arc of when you do something and you do it your entire professional life, the area right. of expertise that you have in that, you know, like, and I'm, yes. I'm certainly yes. not comparing myself to Georgia O'Keefe. I'm certainly not comparing myself to Ruth Asawa or, you know, mm. Louise Bourgeois or any of these people, but like, but you get to compare yourself to yourself and that, and you are driven to do well in what you, in what you do and what you put out into the world. And so were they from what we can yeah. tell, you know, and they were like, yeah. And it was like, and you, and when you stick with something, you develop expertise, like that's exactly. part of it. You know, like, there you go. Yeah. So, you know, and it's like, so there's a part of me that's very curious of the arc of like, if, if you, if you stick with one thing, you know, and we're in a world where like, you know, it's not like our, you know, our father's generations or whatever. Like my dad had one profession, like he yep. was, he was a radiologist, he was a doctor, he went to med school and he was mm-hmm. a doctor his entire professional life. And that's what he did. You know what I mean? Like, yep. and there's very few people now, I mean, some who have one thing that they do their whole, Very you true. know, so it's a tricky thing. Cause on one level, I like the idea of like, well, what would the arc look like 
you know, if I, you know, stayed with it. And then the other thing is like, sometimes I, you know, I'm a child of a spree from like the eighties. And I think about like, <laughs> even companies like a spree, like what happened to a spree? Like, oh, that's fabulous. such a perfect example. We all love them. Where yep. are they? They're gone. You know, like good thing, great things come and go. <laughs> exactly. But if you look at Susie Tompkins and, you know, you or somebody like that, aren't we allowed the good things that come if we're open to change? I almost want to write down what you just said, Marco. Like, aren't we allowed the good things that come with change? Wait, wait, aren't we allowed the good things that come maybe from being open to change? Being open to change. Yeah. And I'll admit like the standing on the precipice of change. I mean, because what's tricky, Margo, is like in this whole like slowing down, this was the slowest summer of my life since I've been a business owner. Normally I'm traveling to big shows, grinding it out 55 to 80 hours a week, pushing so hard and don't really have the space to be like, how would I do this differently? Mm-hmm. And because I, for the first time in eight years, slowed, I mean, massively slowed down. I suddenly was able to see like, oh, this is how, if I were to, to build this all very differently, this is how I would do it. And literally came up with a blueprint. Like I haven't written another business plan, but I've shared the alternative business plan with a lot of my inner circle. You know what I mean? Excellent. Like if I were to do it differently, this is how I would do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a core piece of that is also the environmental piece of it is, yes. you know, I, so my background is I'm an environmental studies major. Um, activism is woven in terms of both like kind of the giving back initiatives that I do, but also like, and how I source all my materials and every, every decision I make as a designer is rooted in, is in, rooted in my value system. So like mm-hmm. in terms of pretty much every buying decision. And so there's a, there's a part of me where I'm like, I know. So I put myself out there. What I didn't share in my bio is that, hi, I'm a sustainable designer who has a zero waste studio. And that's woven into like, my design decisions and what have you. And I'm very aware that if I wanted to actually be a more sustainable designer, I would be digitally printing my work. Like I would not be using water. Mm, um, water mm. in our lifetime is going to become the biggest, like for access yeah. to fresh water is going to become like the biggest, you know, sooner than and, we'd like to think. Yes. Um, and there's a part of me where I'm like, okay, I know that, and I'm a little bit of a purist, but like that, you know, knows that if I were really be doing things sustainably as possible, I would make one, you know, and then I mm-hmm. would have it digitally printed because you can get them digitally printed in India and maybe other places too, but like where, you know, USA. No, water, no water is used and the cartridges are hundred percent recycled. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. from like a, from a footprint standpoint, that would be the way to go. And so that's like, I that's mean, I so interesting. Every collection, like how many gallons of water I'm using to wash out my collections, you know, because I like, I'm doing it all myself. Sure. You know, when you think about we we're we're dialed in to think about, to think handmade is better, right? We just, I mean, to pick a way to say it, to think if I make this myself or print it or have it printed, it's going to, the value is going to be higher. That, that for me, that's just kind of what's in our head. But when you think what environmentally is better, really what's the winning, what's the winning equation there? Of course, what's environmentally better. And it might make you not have to work 80 hours a week. And it might, you know, there's some things about printing just to pick one printing in a different way that could really, could really change things. And, yeah. and, and if we can, if we can take care of our environment, you're um, Annabella on her website has a beautiful piece in her, you have a beautiful piece in your journal that people should read too. Just talking about your beliefs on this. And I think we don't talk about this enough. It's 
startling. You know, I've I've been listening to some podcasts about the use of thing and and you the use our use of things and how how there's some apps about that are food sharing up. There's one in in England and oh my gosh, because it's so important that what the work this these people are doing to lessen our footprint and lessen all the food that's thrown thrown away waste. and just yeah. you know waste and water and all the things. But anyway, I just love that you're thinking that way and that it could affect your business, excuse me, and your livelihood in a way that's positive. Calling all creatives. This episode is brought to you by Relish Your Creativity. What is Relish Your Creativity, do you ask? It's a monthly creative community built by myself and Natalie Shepard to specifically help you imagine and bring to life a vibrant vision for your own creative future. Relish Your Creativity is curated to bring you monthly classes where we deep dive into relevant topics, a private Facebook group to connect, share, and learn together, guest speakers, live chats, and a caring community. If you're ready to confidently put your art into the world, feel more comfortable and empowered in the direction you're heading, or spend focused time on your own creative growth, Relish Your Creativity is the membership for you. To learn more, head on over to www.relishyourcreativity.com. That's R-E-L-I-S-H-Y-O-U-R-C-R-E-A-T-I-V-I-T-Y.com. And we can't wait for you to see what we have in store. One of the things I ended up doing like towards the, um, I often have a zero waste intern. Um, I partner with like uh, at Minneapolis College of Art and Design in different universities nice. in the area to have interns. And I will often have like a zero waste intern um, that nice. I bring into my, seasonally bring into my practice. And and so this summer um, with that intern, I kind of was like, well, since I'm letting go, I'm going to actually create the pieces that I've wanted to create for years that are like the end of these zero waste pieces mm. with her. And so created, I just actually had, I did a professional shoot um, towards the end of last week to document them, but it was intense because like with those pieces, it was also this, it was this kind of excitement of this, of having finally given, I wanted to actually give birth to them in 2019. I, mm. I couldn't, you know, I didn't have time around the holidays. 2020 was its own year. I was only making masks. It wasn't the time of year where I'm like, I'm going to make apparel. Like, and it didn't have the bandwidth at that point to like, to, to R&D these pieces. And, but like, I have this model of like, if I were to have a new space, you know, so it's like, there's the change. And I hear the like, you know, do I, do I take the foot out the door and be open to change? But then the other part is like, you know, literally sees the space where I have like, you know, my atelier that has like the showroom where I can meet with the, my, you know, cause I, I partner with interior designers for yardage for their clients, what have you. Anyway, you know, where I have my showroom, I have a space that's literally set up for workshops. So it's like, I can host, you know, my workshops and I then have like, you know, very specific things where like, these are my jackets and my dresses and a couple of things that are like the hand painted, hand dyed, very small runs of them. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And then I, in terms of not like passive income, but like in terms of the other side of that would feel more ecologically sustainable, my scarves are digitally printed and those are the ones that are in galleries and museums around the country or mm -hmm, the world or whatever, mm -hmm, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's this thing of being like, I've never given myself like until very, very, very recently, I was always like, I know if I wanted to scale my business, I would digitally print my work, but I'd always be like, well, I don't want to do that because then it's 25% creative. And then it's, you know, 75% is just managing a business. And I don't want to mm -hmm. do that. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? But I've certainly been like, well, you know, there's other 
who even came up with that metric? You know, like I came up with those percentages. Like it's all, you know, it's all contrived. <laughs> like, so I don't know. I mean, honestly, I sit here, Margot, and I was going to almost, you know, before we began to be like, I'm going to have a conversation with you that you're not anticipating because you thought we were going into this conversation thinking like, I'm letting go. And I honestly, like, and part of it is I, I took a walk around the lake with my, um, with one of my mentors yesterday who I hadn't had a conversation with in a while. Uh, we haven't seen each other since during the pandemic. And it was funny because she very much got in my head because, and I didn't even necessarily, I just wanted to catch up with her. I wasn't necessarily being like, I want to get your advice. I never even specifically said, I want your advice, you know, but she shared her advice. And it's tricky because she pretty much like laid out, kind of enforced what I just shared with you of like my alternative model, you know, and her just being like, you just need to slow down. And so my thing, my thing is, is like, can I what really like in terms of the sustainability piece is like, you know, in Germany, they work an average of 34.3 hours a week. And then you can have a quote unquote work balance life, you know, like you can enjoy your life and then also you're working, you know? And I'm like, can I work just 35 hours a week? Like, is that humanly possible? Like, because I'm a freaking workaholic. So I don't know, Margo, that's the bigger piece is like the beauty for me and the change is like, if I were working for another company, I mean, there's plenty of companies that like, you know, take advantage of their people, they work in yes. hours. But like, I'm not saying, you know, trying to be all like the grass is so greener, but like, there's this thing of like, if there were better systems and better constraints, would I have better work-life balance? Because I'm not great at creating those systems. Like I always will be like, you're just going to work this much and then I'll work this much. I'll, I'll, the hours will creep and creep and creep Well, I it think just has to get done. Yeah. And I, I think you said a couple of things that, that I'm really excited about for you and interested in touching back on shutting down, or I don't think you put it that way, but you know, stepping away from own, from one thing is only giving you room to step, to step into something else. It's not like you're going to say like, lay in bed all day and say, I'm not going to do anything. You know, there's going to be that next thing. So what I think you, you might've thought, oh my gosh, I have to cl close Indigo and Snow. But what, what has happened in your having the time to think about it, which admit self-admittedly might not have been happening and talking to your mentor or whatever, you know, again, universe, situational, whatever it might be, you're letting other ideas in because you've said, I'm stopping doing this how it's happening right now. So changing is really exciting. And any business, I think a good business, I've worked for several, who says, what's going right? What's not going right? What do we need to do to achieve X, Y, and Z? You know, goals, whatever that is, a financial goal, a time goal. What do we need to do for our business? And that's that's what you're doing. And and you're right, you do get to create that. So the fact that you're thinking about these things that mean so much to you too, environmentally, how can you your business look different? And, you know, maybe it's a different kind of intern next time that helps with, a, you know, helps you get your business rolling in a way that it gives you time. And you might not be able to work 35 hours a week. I had to chuckle at that. But I think the beautiful thing that you're doing, giving yourself the gift of really looking at it and saying, I've run my business this way for eight years. How's my life different now? What do my kids need? What do I need? What does my family need? What does my creativity need? I want to teach these workshops. Oh my gosh, it might be really exciting to digitally print and see what that looks like. You, you're just creating that next thing. It's super exciting. I know it, but it's at the same time, it's this feeling of like, I don't know, or it's the thing of like, or do I let go and be open to like, what else is... Well, you can let go, you know, you, there's time 
So I should go into the part of the pivot of why I chose the the timing that I was going to share with you. So like when I first announced, I was like, I'm going to be done by September 30th. That was my goal. That Uh was before I got bit by the spider, before Uh I had kind of like a health crisis of a summer. And before I received, you know, over a hundred custom orders that like, I was like, oh my God, you know, I'm not gonna be able to paint all these as fast. But the reality is the biggest thing I want to change in my business is the whole culture of like the fourth quarter as a maker and the whole relationship to holiday. <laughs> That's literally the most unfavorite aspect to me of yeah. being a maker. And it is like, and so that's like the the biggest change for me, or like the, what I'm really giving myself permission is mm-hmm. this is my first time. So I'm a mom, you know, um, normally like, you know, my older son's birthday is November 4th or my husband's birthday is November 4th. My husband, my son's birthday is November 14th. Then there's Thanksgiving. Yep. And then, you know, obviously there's Christmas. You already have a busy fourth quarter family. So it's, yeah. Like, even if it was just like celebrating, you know, whatever the normal things, but like, you know, in maker culture, it starts like you're like October 1st through usually it's like October 1st through, you know, sometimes yeah. I, because I have bad boundaries, won't really even shut it down until December 23rd and right. just totally shutting it down. And it's like, it's, it's banana cakes. And I finally was like, I, I'm stopping, you know, when I announced, I was like, I am not doing the fourth quarter. Like I am done. I am not putting myself through that again. I just want to have a holiday season where, you know, cause our whole biorhythms are all yep. about like we go into high, I mean, especially cause I live in the, in terms of the upper Midwest, like the Northern part of the hemisphere, like, you mm-hmm. know, where the days, it starts to get dark at three forty-five. you know, like things yep. it's much, you know, like you go, you, you can't resist hyper level of hibernation, which like I've been no. before in like Florida or maybe in like Australia, maybe they can't relate to that, but like here it's like, it's, it's a, it's a hundred percent a thing. You hibernate. It's cellular. Like the whole yeah. Huga thing is like, it's a full on, like, you know, you just nestle in and you're like, yep. Oh, it's eight o'clock. I'm going to bed, you know? And like for years I have like, whenever, when everyone else is kind of just, you know, a allowing themselves to slow down. Like, you know, in my culture, you're like when you're in the maker scene, like the whole retail machine sure. of, of the United States, obviously not, it's just not just like the handmade culture, but it was this thing of like, I'm going to give myself permission to not do the fourth quarter. And like, I love and that. even you recently had an episode, I think it was like Natalie, or I can't remember, but you guys were digging into Q4 and I literally, it was almost like this uh, post-traumatic stress. Like I was like, almost like, <laughs> I can't even listen to people. Like the, even the tone that starts to happen, yeah. like, the yeah. hustle, like how it creeps into the conversation around Q4. Yeah. And I was just like, no, like I might have to literally just delete the app from my freaking phone. So I'm not even seeing all of the, like the machine of all of it, you know, but it's just this feeling of like the biggest thing I would do differently. And I was sharing this with my mentor is like, if I'm staying in this game going, not game, but like this path, (laughs) I should say, but like, um, It would be like, oh yeah, maybe I'll announce on October 1st, like I'll do like silk robes or little silk like pajama sets that are like hand dyed and lovely and people have to get their order in by like October 15th and I'll make X amount. And I have a very specific, really lovely offering for holiday, but I'm not doing the like insane amounts of shows in and, and shipping orders. Yeah. Like does it's like the whole like designing a life well lived and just being like, what does that look like? That's giving yourself permission. Yeah. Giving myself permission to do it differently. And I think what you're saying too, is how can that shift? And granted fourth quarter for a lot of people is where, you know, they make their money. 
but what do you, what do you need that to, what does that, what does everybody need that to look like for themselves? You know, is it a little sale that you're like, okay, I made more, I made more that, you know, it's, it's how you need that to look for yourself, for your own business. So you're in alignment. So with your journals, is that helping you to kind of sort through some of this as you look back? Like when I look at the arc of the days, because sometimes I very, like the thing about the five-year journal is because you only have like, it's such a small space. You you're really intentional about like what it is you're documenting. Yeah, it is. It's nice. You you can't fit a whole lot in there. Yeah. And sometimes I'll actually, I will have it be where, and I don't always curate like, but there was stretches of time where I'd be like, oh, it's, um, I would have the exercise be it's a gratitude practice and consciously just document like what I was most grateful for. So it's like, when I'm looking at the journal, you know, now that I'm, it's funny, it's almost like there's, I used to feel like all I was journaling was that like, I was in hating my business, you know? Yeah. And now that like recently when I've been like looking and there are those journal entries where that I'll be like, I'm so done. I'm so over this, blah, blah, blah. But like a lot of it is, um, very, the arc is actually more positive than you might think, (laughs) but in terms of the present, it's what's been very powerful for me. So it's almost like this summer has been this, like almost every person I interact with, they feel like they're messengers for me on a certain level. Mm -hmm. So where do you think you're going right now? If you, if I ask you right now, what are you, what are you giving yourself time to figure out right now? Like, I have no idea, you know, honestly, like there's, there's a part of me where like one of the first things I did, I had some emails I had to get back to first thing this morning. And after that, I looked, there's a building here called the Northrop King building that has, um, it's the, uh, where it's kind of like the hub of, um, which you're familiar with, I'm sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but we, one of, the, one of the largest art crawls in the, well, pre COVID, um, one of the largest art crawls in the country. And it has, um, an amazing space for professional artists to exhibit their work and, um, have their studios. And, and I made the mistake one of the, I don't know if you'd say the death sentence to my business, but was like, I decided to move during COVID my move out of my studio and move it into my home, mm-hmm. which, um, it was just been like crazy making, like we have a spare room in our basement. And I thought that that was going to be enough to contain it. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> I mean, I do most of my work outside, but anyways, is like, so I've been on the prowl of being like, well, what's out there? Yeah. Um, and do I look for, like, I've never done, I've never done any crowdfunding for my business. Like I've never done, um, I'm like, I'm not on Patreon. Like I've never done right. any of those like Kickstarter campaigns for anything. And I've thought like, okay, do you ever listen to Tim Ferriss's podcast? Yeah. He had, he interviewed Stephen Pressfield with the, um, the war of art. And in the, in the interview, Stephen shared the muse doesn't like you to play small. Like the muse wants you to go big. Mm-hmm. And I realized like from the very beginning of like my business, cause I've bootstrapped it for, from the beginning, I've always played small. Mm, really? Yes. I mean, I have an expansive personality and I have expansive vision, but I've never, I'm very risk adverse, which for mm-hmm. like an entrepreneur doesn't like, I've never taken on anything that I felt like, okay, I financially, cause for a while, like my cash flow, I literally would be like, if for, it took me a long time to even open up a credit card. Cause I would be like my uh, cash flow. I wanted what was in my checking account, my business checking account to pay for all my expenses. Like I right. wanted 
I wanted just to be very, I was very conservative for a very long time. And it took, and then when I started doing really big shows and you'd have to fork out, you know, $1,200 to do the show like a year ahead of time. But then I started being like, okay, I have to have a credit card, but that was the downfall. And at some levels, then I started taking on tons of business debt and all that, but that's its own conversation, which I now I paid off through my mask making. So I don't have any debt anymore, but, awesome. um, um, but anyways, but when I listened to this interview, it was in the spring. And he's like, the muse wants, doesn't want you to play small. The muse wants to hear like kind of your grandest vision of your life or like kind of put it out there. Right. That like, there's a part of me that I'm like, what if I just take a leap and just like actually get, I've never had a storefront, you know, like there's so much empty store, like, you know, there's so yes. much so empty available real estate because of like COVID, you know, like and be like, do I, what would it be like to take, you know, have a storefront where I actually like the vision I shared with you before and where I actually have a physical space for workshops and I could even rent out that space to other, you know, makers who are wanting to, you know, like, and have this, I mean, I literally can see it all as if the blueprint is ahead of me, you know, right. like I'm staring at it on the wall and I love it. And I could do a crowdsourcing thing, you know, initially just to, cause I don't have enough to, you know, cause I don't know how much it would even cost to have a storefront, but more than I probably ever paid for a studio, but actually kind of tap my base a little bit, you know, and see if, if I could kind of crowdfund, like designing the space that I really want and just see like, okay, like, can this, what does it look like if I go a little bit bigger? And so that's the part of it where I'm like, I think I, in the past was way too scared to do that. But now I'm like, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like, oh, in a year, I'm like, oh, this was not a good business decision. Like, oh, then I just, you know, I just sign a, you know, see if I can just sign a one-year lease on a space. And then if in one year, it's like, it wasn't a good decision, then I close up yeah. shop, you know? Yeah. There's like worse, you know, I don't know. So that's kind of the, where I'm at right now of like, do I step my toes into like, not going bigger. Cause it's, it's a different level of like, there's times where I wanted to scale my business on different levels and I don't have a desire. I don't know. We'll just see. That's kind of where I'm at now because every time I honestly look for, and I don't do this very often, but whenever I do look for jobs, yeah, I'm a very sensitive person. And so I will like read the language. Yes. And you can tell a lot about the culture through job descriptions and like, and I will literally feel like, I will feel like I will start to feel anxiety reading the job description because of the tone, like the voice in terms of, and you can tell a lot about the culture and be like, Oh, if that's how it feels, just reading the job description. I don't know if like that's, I want to be part of their team. It's true. And it's, I think it's really hard when you're just looking for a job online to find the right kind of job. I think it it's, it's more word of mouth to find that right job for you because it's just, it's hard. It's just hard to, to look that way. That's exciting. It's scary. It's invigorating. It's inspiring. And I think I really, really a hundred percent of my bones feels that when you open yourself up, that's when things come to you. The universe will, will show up for you. You will see that in changing, you're opening up room for that next thing in your life that could be better than you ever imagined it. It really, it really works that way. And I think it's often through struggle or just aha moments or putting ourselves against the wall or whatever that we, we see, oh my gosh, I have to, to pivot, to pick that word. And I never would have been here if I didn't do that. That has happened to me many times in my life where I thought, oh my gosh, seriously, I have to whatever, move across the country or 
Can I ask you a question? Are you from Bashan Island or? No, I'm from Northern California. And I ended up here because a friend I grew up with said, oh my gosh, I'm dating somebody that lives on this amazing island and you need to see it. And I was like, that's not on my way to anywhere. And then because I lived in Minnesota at the time and I was flying, we always flew to China for work through you know, San Francisco or LA, whatever. And then we started flying through Seattle. So um, in 2013, I started coming here and I never looked back. I, it's community, it's creative. It's all the things that I had growing up that I didn't have in my adult life, um, necessarily living in a big city. So that's why, but I, I grew up in Northern California. Got it. And then professionally, you're still working for the same company you're working with in Minneapolis, but you're just doing it from- No, I work for a lovely company out of St. Louis. So I can work from here and, and I still, and I do a lot of, you know, my own work as well, certainly teaching online and, and things like that. But I work for a wonderful company. It's family run. It's called Studio M and, and they're just the kindest, most lovely people. And they put, they really think about biz. I, you know, I, it's just a, it's a good reminder. I was thinking about them earlier when you were talking, because they really do look at their business and say, oh my gosh, we're so invested in this part of it, but is it working for us? And they make big changes and go back to what matters. And I, and, and I think it's not easy to do when you have a whole bunch of employees and have invested a certain amount in a certain thing, but to come back to what really matters is a gift. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you sharing this, this path. You know, I just think there's so many gems here. And I think a lot of it is talking about the process we go through to make a, a big life decision and what that feels like especially when you've poured your heart and soul into it and it is a, like another child. And, and I just really appreciate you sharing so honestly just what that looks like and, and that it isn't a clear path. It's just not. And that's completely all right. And maybe the best thing about it is we get to figure it out as we go. And, and I just really appreciate your vulnerability and honesty and transparency around that. Yeah. I mean, actually that is the beauty in it is that like, we get to figure it out as we go. Yeah. Right. And I think that like the biggest lesson in it for me recently has been like, I used to for years want someone else to tell me the answer, or I would want somebody else to just be like, you know what, like this isn't working. It's time to stop. Like I wanted someone else to give me permission to say, yeah, you should quit or it's okay to quit. Oh yeah. We look for that for so many things. Oh yeah. Like so much like externally wanting someone mm-hmm. just to, and realizing just tell me like, the answer. Yeah. And realizing like no one else, nope. nobody else can tell like, because no one else has ever lived your path. No one else gets to live your path. I mean, like that's right. the beauty in it. Like that's no one else gets to be you. It's the greatest joy of a life. Like, you know, it's the greatest gift is like you get to live your path and no one else gets to live it, you know? Right. And in that same vein, you know, no one else actually has like the insight if to like, oh yes, like this is, and and it wasn't until very recently that like, I was like, oh, I'm not going to ask. Cause for years I would ask, like, I would try to get people like my best friends or whatever to tell me like, oh yeah, I should quit. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Like, this is there. making you miserable. And, and my husband, my God, I mean, more than anyone. And he was just my infinite. Cause a lot of times there's the people who are your infinite cheerleaders. Like my husband yeah. is like my biggest cheerleader and he nice. sees, he sees the ends of it and outs of it. Like no one else, of course, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, and, and you realize that it's like everyone, not like everyone has their own agenda too, but it's like, you know, no. So it's like, I, the, the for me, what was powerful this summer when I decided to announce that I was letting go, 
because at that point I full heartedly was like, I am letting go, you know, and it felt like the greatest gift I could give myself is to walk away. Um, there were two factors. Number one is I was like, for years, I was all like, didn't want it to be under like, I'm failing or I'm a failure, you know, like I didn't want it to be like, I failed at this. And I finally had gotten to the point where like my mindset wasn't like that, that, that F word wasn't even in the mix. It was just like, no, you're wanting, to, you're ready just to let go. And there's no, like, cause I didn't fail. It's not like, oh, I failed at anything. You know what I mean? And like, there was that piece. And then the other piece was this, like, no longer asking for external opinions on my next life steps, which also felt like a victory to just be like, I can have conversations with people and be a really good open listener and see what surfaces and how it makes me feel. But like, that's not, that's, that's the gem in it. It's not like asking, giving over my, um, my sovereignty to someone else and just being like, here, you decide for me. So to me, like that has been the biggest gift is even just having kind of like clarity on that. So, yeah. That's a, that's a, such a good point. I mean, we really do look, I know I've certainly been in, in circumstances where I wish somebody would just tell me what to do, but it's our story. We have to write yeah. it. Yeah. Can you quick tell me who's inspiring you these days? Um, someone who perennially inspires me is the work of Ruth Asawa. Um, she's she one of was, my all-time favorite artists in the universe, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen that photograph where literally she's like, maybe it was curated, who knows. But she's like, you know, probably was curated. But like, she's working on one of her sculptures and all her kids are around her, like in her living room sort of thing. Have you seen uh, that photograph? Yes, I have. And and it, I think it was when she was doing the children's fountain in San Francisco, which I used to go and sit lunch and have lunch by every day. Wow. But she really did do that. I mean, she, she did had to, of course, because she like the, kid, you know, the school kids of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for me, I have needed to um, people who are inspiring me are, are, are artists who are also mothers, you know, yes, and like, yeah. how have they because there's always this mother versus artist thing for me a little bit. But um, so she's somebody who I think about her probably on a daily basis. Um, Louise, and I, and I never know if you say her last name because it's French as, um, bourgeois or bourgeois, you know who I'm talking about. I think about. it's bourgeois. Bourgeois. Uh, that okay. would I didn't sense. know her, so I didn't directly say, but yes, that's another beautiful one. Yeah. And so she is someone else who it's like the arc of a lifetime of like, mm. I hold, um, and I'm looking at like the cloth lullaby, this book about her life. Like it's right there on my, one of my special mm. shelves. But, um, I think about her quite regularly in terms of like the arc of a life you know, uh, and her story is beautiful. And I highly recommend the book. Um, if you're looking for a good bedtime story, anyone cloth lullaby is really beautiful. And who else is inspiring me right now? Who did I write down? You wrote Michelle Obama. Oh yeah. Well, she's always inspiring me. Yeah, yeah she is. I do love this quote that you posted recently in your writing. If you don't like the road you're walking, start paving another one, Dolly Parton. Yeah. And that, that's just, there isn't, that's an, that's, an, you inspired me with that. So thank you to you and to Dolly Parton for that, for that reminder. But I just think, I wonder about those artists that we say inspire us and, and what I wish I could talk. Oh my goodness. I wish I could talk to Ruth Azawa, but you know, yeah. people like yeah. that. And, but we, we have today are people like you, people like Lisa Congdon, people who are willing to share and it just helps the rest of us that can listen and, and relate in some way and who, you know, are going through our own things, whatever they may be. So yeah. I just really appreciate it. 
Well, thank you for the opportunity, Margo, to connect and share. I, I let me know when you are on to the next step and we'll talk about it some more. Yeah, no, it sounds good. I think there could be like, there could be the part two of like in six months. I think we should, I, I don't think I would be the only one interested. So yes, let's do that. That's it for this episode of Windowsill Chats. Thanks so much for being here with me. It's just so great to be able to bring you these conversations with the fantastic people and wonderful friends that I've met and made along the way. Make sure you subscribe to Windowsill Chats on your favorite podcast app and please share it with a friend. And if this episode spoke to you, I'd really appreciate it if you would also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to the bottom of the episode you've just listened to and it'll let you leave a review. If you have any questions or want to check out more details or inspiration that we talked about, head over to the show notes at windowsillchats.com or tantostudio.com. They'll both take you to the same place. I can't wait to share more stories with you again next week. I value your time and I absolutely believe in your potential. Have a great one, everyone, and stay creatively curious.